0: Welcome back. I'm here again with David Flynn. Today, we're going to talk about his two tours in Northern Ireland during the Troubles period, the first in 1973 and the second in 1977. Welcome back, David. It's good to see you again. Yes, thank you. So let's start with your tour in 1973. What was your rank, your your role within the Royal Marines, and and you know how did it start, and kind of get to how did it end?
1: Right, seventy three. I was a corporal, looking to be. I went in as a corporal, and I came out as a sergeant for there. Now, during the trouble, the trouble started in sixty nine when British troops were sent in because of. Basically, disturbances and to try and keep the warring factions apart. In 71, there was Bloody Sunday, the paras, which caused a whole deal of unrest. The, the paratroopers were exactly the wrong units to be sent to deal with peacekeeping because their whole mm-hmm. training is to deal with a problem quickly. With the overwhelming and- force but you, you you using brute force and ignorance you know that for the, for the situations that they're trained for that's fine but this wasn't the situation a complete mess was made of bloody sunday and as a consequence feelings were now running very high in ireland you have the nationalist and the loyalist camps both of whom were not listening to each other decided the way to solve their problems was by force by by car bombs by bombs in places by random shootings by standard standard gangland type tactics they they were effectively crime bosses writ large mm-hmm. there because of bloody sunday we had very, very tight rules of engagement. We were only allowed to fire under very, very specific circumstances, something that people who haven't been in the military don't often realise, but you are given rules of engagement, which is when you can shoot and when can't you shoot. In this case, we could only shoot if we had come under direct, effective, fire basically we could only fire if we would taken casualties otherwise we were to hold fire if people were shooting over our heads shooting back would just inflame the situation so in Um, other words
0: somebody somebody one of your one of your soldiers or one of your marines had to be physically not only just had to be shot at but had to be hit in order for you to respond
1: Yes, okay. it, it if, is insane. If they, were, it's insane. If they right. were missed, it would be later claimed that it was just uh, random bullets going overhead. We also had to have a clear identified target. We couldn't just shoot back at someone we thought might be a problem. We had to be certain that it was a target, and that target couldn't be backstopped by anything. So that from the from the Viewpoint of nine on 50 years on, I can see why those rules were in place. We weren't necessarily entirely happy with, with the, the rules because effectively it meant that we could only do anything if we had taken casualties. To be, fair, to be honest, in all in my first six-month tour of Belfast, no one ever shot at us, either my troop. Or any of the others that I were that we were with there, mainly because no one wants to shoot at people who are much heavier arms than they are. Right. And not the both the various Republican factions, I mean the IRA, plus all the other assorted letters, and all the loyalist factions, the UDL, Third Force, and the like. They were more keen on fighting each other and imposing their will on the community that they were in than they were on fighting us. We just got in the way. So that was the backdrop to it. We would do trolls to go out to reassure the public. If they were strongly Republican, they hated us because... You know, we were we were the British Army, etc. If they were loyalists, they hated us because we were stopping them from dealing with the Republican menace, etc. So we were hated on all sides. So you know, that's the lot of a peacekeeper. That's Um, like the U.S. in Asia. Yeah, um,
0: that's how we keep. That's how we keep the the Chinese, the Koreans, and the and the Japanese from killing each other. They they hate us. They hate us less than they hate everybody else.
1: Yeah, the troubles themselves were. I I still don't really understand. Ninety percent of the population of Northern Ireland just wanted to be left alone to live their lives. But you had all sorts of you you had str- uh, Republican streets. You had loyalist streets that there was the whole Romeo and Juliet nonsense that seeing someone from one of the other communities' strict no-no, I'm sure there's a Romeo and Juliet story to be had from there. You also had some fairly unpleasant incidents. Effectively, civilians were considered a... Civilians were considered collateral damage if they could damage someone from the other side. so placing a a, a bomb in a car near a school this is not this was not a problem for, for them it, it was just such a wholly unpleasant way of thinking. I mean my whole training the whole what do you do with other military is one thing, but, you know, civilians, you know, they're just trying to live a life, you know. They're, they're, they're not part of this, but they were very much a part of it. it. It basically got so bad that in 76, 1976, I wasn't around there, but Northern Ireland at the time, but the peace marches started, and basically people had that there was a flashpoint, people realised They'd had enough, and they, they had an awful lot of peace marchers. Mary Corrigan and Williams, somebody, Williams, another name I have, has gone out of my head, started a movement saying, we have had enough, and they did marches for peace. They ended up getting a Nobel Peace Prize for it. It, it certainly, it didn't calm things down, but it made both sides of the maniacs, more careful about upsetting the civilian population. So after 76, things became more targeted. Before that, it was a very Wild West, anything goes type situation.
0: Now, when you were there in 73, what sorts of operations did you engage in?
1: Largely responses, Somebody, if there was a gathering, we would go there to, to basically to separate the gathering to persuade the crowd that somewhere else was a good place to be, or what have you. Or if there'd been an incident, if a bomb had gone off, we would be sent to the area to clear up, basically. So which, so um,
0: like like remove bits and pieces of humanity, basically. Bits and
1: pieces, yes. Um, There there was one incident which still get nightmares over from from time to time. One of the loyalist organisations had worked out that the vast majority of Republicans were Catholics who tended to have more children than the Protestants. And so, therefore, planting a bomb in a mother care shop would hit more it would hit Catholics rather than Protestants and so clearing up after a bomb had gone off in a mother care shop yeah that's not fun
0: now like what so uh, for an American audience a mother care shop what is that like baby clothes where they
1: sell baby clothes toys for baby it is basically a shop for young mothers to buy things for babies and very young children.
0: So, so you someone get, so someone on the orange side placed a bomb in a mother care shop. Were, were there babies that like mothers would take with them when they went?
1: Well, yeah, uh, it's a shop where mo- mothers would take babies into. Yeah. Um, and someone
0: planted a bomb and it went off in a shop and it with went off. people in it. And you had to clear up, after clear, clear the aftermath of that.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, hence I, I I tend to have fairly strong views about the, the maniacs who do such things. It's 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 just the word evil is just too weak.
0: Did they ever find out who personally was responsible for that? Not the side, but the person.
1: Yes, they did.
0: Interesting. Did who who were you involved in finding that person at all, or?
1: Yes, I was. He got taken into custody for there and was uh, sent to a prison on the mainland uh, on the basis that being in a prison in in Ulster would have been inflammatory. So yes, he did end up... up, uh, uh, I believe his problem... I I don't know how long he got served, but he, he got taken into custody we found out that it was convicted and went, went to a, a mainland prison.
0: And presumably, he's either still there or he's no longer living. I,
1: I have I have no idea what happened to him that there after that. But justice, the letter of justice was done. Whether it was justice in the fuller sense of the word is another matter. But uh, so sorry to
0: be sorry to be ignorant, but does or at the time did britain have capital punishment
1: no we didn't only for very specific crimes piracy arson in her majesty's dockyards treason were the main ones but murder we we don't didn't have capital punishment at the time we'd got rid of that in the six 1960s.
0: sorry to pry on this and and we don't have to we can we don't have to talk about it because it could be pretty raw like how many people were killed in that? Include like women, children, etc. There
1: was a, there was one fatality and one injured. The fatality was a messy one, but it, there, was, there was only the one death. Unfortunately, it was a three-year-old child. Which, as I say, evil is evil is too weak a word.
0: And and, and the it, injury was the was the mother.
1: The, the mother was injured. The child was killed. Wow. Um, okay. So, how
0: did how did you find how did you fi- how did you find the, the perpetrator?
1: Basically, the traditional method of someone grasped him up. A confidential informant from the the Orange side, the the loyalists, basically reckoned no, this was a step too far, and told the authorities, if you want to know who did it, this is the person you need to speak to. It it had gone too far, even for the majority of the, I think it was the UDL, but I lose track of all all the alphabet soups that were over there. But but yes, his own people grasped him up.
0: Now, how did the IRA respond?
1: they they weren't happy they they planted a bomb and they in a loyalist pub once the guy had been caught they called off their bombing campaign in revenge for that and just went back to their normal bombing campaigns
0: but they, they still planted a bomb in a pub that went off i'm assuming
1: uh no it didn't go off it it was sound before it went off They'd said that they would bomb pubs in revenge, but this one didn't go off, and then the chap had been caught, and so they went back to their their normal way of doing things.
0: And what was their normal way of doing things?
1: Oh, in order to keep their own people in line or to keep things in line, you had uh, kneecappings, six-packs, drills, which are terms... Kneecapping—you shoot someone in the kneecap. Say typical punishment for there. There's a there was a good chance that they'd never be able to walk properly again. It depends on precise things. The six pack is two knees, two elbows, two wrists. Knee kneecapping those six—that's for fairly for very serious offence. And drilling is. Doing the same as that, only using a power drill rather than there. The troubles weren't pleasant, and they
0: would do this to people who were out of like their own people out of line, or would they do this to uh,
1: keeping their own people man. in line, keeping people from the other side who had wandered into their turf. It was that was largely punishment, but not following orders. Rumor has it that one. Senior IRA commander gave a punishment to someone under their own command for the crime of sleeping with his wife, which was uh, taking the political into the personal with a vengeance. But yeah, Belfast, no fun. People People today will glorify or think kindly back on the times when the Troubles were some sort of expression of either bold freedom fighters going for a united Ireland or brave loyalists. It was maintaining links with the mother country. Now it was just plain nasty. And to a large extent, the people doing this, they became so fond of doing it, they were doing it for the sake of doing it rather than for any cause. The, the the means became an end in themselves, in itself. Thank God for the Good Friday Agreement and uh, uh, peace in 97. I mean, stuff still goes on, but it's nothing like as bad as it was. And
0: so when you left in 73, 73 and came back in 77, how did it change or how had it changed?
1: Right. Well, it it, it changed very differently in in 77, I wasn't posted to Belfast. I was on the border. Basically, the idea was guns and equipment was coming in from the Republic to Northern Ireland. Effectively, they, it, arms caches would be stored in the Republic and people would, so that they could go about their normal business in the North. and guns what guns officer we ain't got no guns they'd nip when they needed stuff for an operation they'd nip over to the republic pick it up and come back my job was to firstly to catch them as they were coming to or fro and the subtext was the easiest place to uh, find them is where their arm caches were which was in the Republic. So, to be honest, I spent most of my time there on the Republic side of the border, (laughs) which, no, no, you're not allowed to do that completely there. What we would do is we would locate an arms cache, we would report it to the Gardai, the uh, Irish police, say, there is an arms cache at this location, can you please do something about it? Uh, Nine times out of ten... They would come al- come along and deal with it. One time out of ten, the terrorists would get there and would move would move to another loca- to another location beforehand. The Gardai really didn't like the IRA either, simply because it made normal life difficult. Uh, the border crossings were always fraught places to live and. Police generally don't like people who break the law. Strange that.
0: So so, th- so, so they would. So you would give notice that you had intelligence, likely from like a confidential informant. Yeah. Unless uh, I mean, you're not, uh, you weren't using uh, what, satellite what, intelligence for this stuff. I'm assuming. Yeah,
1: satellite yeah. intelligence would have been a bit science fictional. Uh, for yeah, the time. I figured. But, uh, yeah. But yes, it was the we have reason to believe that that, that if you go to this location you will find uh, something of interest in the arms nature and they would act on it with whatever haste they could manage. They were, of course, heavily overworked because like all police forces, everywhere, anywhere, anytime, they have more work to do than they have people to do the work. This was generally a higher priority, but sometimes they just had people already out. Sometimes it happened more. Usually it happened. Sometimes it slipped through the cracks. Okay. And then did you ever go there?
0: You had to go across the border. You would go with the Irish police or you would go separately? Would you go undercover? Would you go into uniform? Uh, That's a lot of questions thrown at you. uh, Right.
1: Right. the, the way it was uh, done i think it's fairly safe to say at, at this point sort of 50 years after the event we're going uniform across i mean we were Marines we were trained to to avoid being detected i mean it's 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 part of the training i with we, we, we have a whole course on evading detection in enemy territory i mean it's 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 what we do so yes we're We'd get we would get lost across across the border, look around for a uh, likely arms dump. Ideally, we would follow suspicious people there, locate and identify exactly where it was, go back to our side of the border, and then phone through to the, the nearest Gardai office and say for some by by some psychic intuition, we, we, we think that there is some, everybody knew what was happening. No one admitted that it was happening. Every so often, a, someone would get caught doing it and then there would be, it would be slap wrists all round. You, you really shouldn't be doing this. This is technically invading another country.
0: It's funny that you mentioned, you know, by psychic means, we that at the same time the US, the CIA was started the remote viewing program, I think was probably actively using it by 1976. The military started using it around kind of in the late 70s or so, I think. But it's funny you mentioned that, like, you like while you were while you were saying, you know, joking about it, the US military was actually as, as, CIA was actively acquiring intelligence through the remote viewing techniques that, you know, they claimed didn't work in 1976, but they did it for 20 years. Like, Oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> and they probably still do. They hire them as contractors, but anyway, not, not, not to digress. I've actually interviewed one of them on this show Dr. David Morehouse. So the stuff works. It's just, uh, the public just will never believe it anyway. Okay. So, you were kind of doing some accidental accidentally on purpose reconnaissance across the border to Yeah. And and then you would go through the proper channels in order to get the the Irish to to seize it. And nine yeah, times so out of ten ba- that they did.
1: Basically we we could have uh, blown the arms caches up ourselves, but <laughs> British troops blowing stuff up on Irish territory, yeah. It's an act of war, right? That might have was- been a little unwise. So yeah. yes, we would in the, in the perfect case, we would go across, we would locate things, we would go back. No one would uh, know we'd been there and we would phone through uh, proper channels with the information.
0: Now, was that a, was that 100% of the intel that you got or did you also sometimes get it through confidential informants and things like that?
1: Oh, we, we had confidential informants. Is, uh, I suppose it's technically accurate. It didn't sort of feel that. But yes, I mean, you're... You'd get chatting to people. They would say things. You'd make friends. You know you. But when you'd uh, gain their trust, they would start telling you things. Well, you know Jim down the road, he, he's often taking things across the border. And uh, I mean, sometimes it's simply villagers settling old scores with each other. The, the, they don't like things. I mean, the nature of the Northern Ireland-Republic of Ireland border, it's incredibly porous. There are known crossing points, but uh, by and large, you can wander across, and it can be quite difficult to know. There are certainly fields that straddle the border. You can have a cow eating grass in the Republic in the morning, and in the afternoon it's uh, wandered over into... Uh, northern ireland and is there and it's staying in the same field but it just crosses the border because the field crosses the border so i mean are there instances where, where a farmer
0: owns a field on both sides of the border
1: oh yeah 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 quite a few it's there's certainly one farmhouse i know that where part of it is on one side and part on the other side of the border so Sorry, I don't mean
0: I know, don't mean to get into like extreme detail, but like who do they pay taxes to? Like who
1: both sides? Well, it wait, wait, who come who they I mean they lived there basically. The border came after the farmhouse. So I think they end up being whoever they feel like being at the moment. I I believe it's the if they needed something, they belonged to the authority that happened to be talking to them uh, at that time. And if it was paying taxes or anything like that, it was no, they pay them to the other side. Yeah, pe- people around borders can be terribly inventive in in these sorts of things. But yes, yeah, so, but the 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 border is calling it a border is a very loose, it, it it's certainly not like the Berlin Wall or anything serious. And of course, when there are tensions between Britain and Ireland, uh, as there have been over Brexit and trade, the people in the borderland, are on the border there, are in a difficult position, simply because of the nature of the beast. How on earth are they going to deal with differences it's it's all a bit of a nonsense and I'm certainly not clever enough to know what the answer is but back, back in the day people just got on with things um, but um, yeah
0: Now did you ever get close to getting sighted during one of these operations?
1: Not that I'm aware of I think there was there was probably a couple of cases of people very carefully turning blind eyes to it, either because they they approved of what they're doing or alternatively because they weren't going to shout out too loudly to a bunch of heavily armed people that, I can see you. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> t- tends not to be a wise thing to do. And
0: I assume um, you did this stuff almost exclusively at night.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, no. The Marines tend to be very much night creature, creatures of the night.
0: And at the time, were you still a sergeant or did you become?
1: Sergeant at the, this time, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Okay. Any any final wisdom or views on the on the experience? Is there anything you wish you would have done differently or lessons that you took from oh, it?
1: Oh, anything I would have done differently. Yeah, I—I I mean, certainly, I came away with incredibly strong views about the treatment of civilians and what happens to civilians during times of conflict or or, or disturbance. Basically, soldiers, marines, people in the forces. This is their job. This is what they get paid to do. These these are the risks that they've signed up for, or have been conscripted for, if that's the way that the uh, forces work. This is their job. If if shit happens, you know, well, tough. This is what you're you're paid to do. Civilians they don't. They're just trying to live normal lives. If being a marine, if being a soldier, has any meaning, it. Your, your job is to act as a shield for civilians, and when civilians get caught up in these things, that's just plain wrong. Falklands, which I mentioned otherwise, in this respect was a very clean war. That the only people who were involved in the fighting were basically either servicemen on one side or the other, or civilians who had specifically chosen to go along the merchant seamen on the merchant ships that were there. There weren't any innocent bystanders getting involved. I think there were three civilians who got killed when a bomb fell in the wrong place. From from the point of view of the morality of warfare, it was a very clean war, because civilians weren't involved, the troubles. It was all about the civilians being involved. The paramilitaries deliberately targeting civilians. And you know, I, I I certainly came away with the very strong view that that that's wrong. If you're going to have wars, so be it. But civil civilian deaths is distressing
0: all right my friend it was a pleasure talking about this you know it's a difficult topic right but yes. it was it was great to hear that perspective and your perspective on on the troubles as well as in the prior episode on the falkland war i, I look forward to talking with you in the the next episode about the anthology that you put together. So thank you very much, David.
1: Thank you very much
0: indeed. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.